Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book. I'm a registered dietitian. Now what? Where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Laura Jean. She's an accredited practicing dietitian from Australia who has worked in a variety of settings, but she likes to do things a little bit more her way. This led her to starting her own business by honoring her values as a person and as a dietitian. She started Dietitian Values to help other dietitians on this journey, where she helps them discover their foundation of values and then putting them into action to be the kind of dietitian they want to be. Please enjoy my conversation with Laura Jean. First and foremost, I think you are a fantastic human in all the things that you're doing for dietitians and the messaging that you're sending. I remember the particular post that really resonated with me that you had put out and it was, there's many ways to be a dietitian as there are dietitians, but you need to be your kind of dietitian. And that just really struck a chord with me because I was like, gosh, yeah, you know, like, you don't have to be a cookie cutter dietitian. So I wanted to get to know you a little bit more, where this is coming from with you, this passion that you have, and you know how that's led to your business. But I first would love to talk to you about where did you get the passion for dietetics? How did you get interested and started in the, in the profession? Yeah, well, actually, I always wanted to be a chef. Um, so from when mm. I was like eight years old, I was like, right, this is this is for me because I really loved cooking, um, loved really doing that that piece and wanted to be a chef for a really long time. And then I went on, um, in Australia, we do like work experience in the later half, later part of high school. And I did my two years, two weeks work experience in a kitchen and I still loved it. I just realised, oh, I was starting my work experience at like three in the afternoon and going through till 10 and my friends were all finishing up. Um, you know, when I was, I was like, oh, this lifestyle's not for me. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I had a little epiphany at 15 that, oh, I don't want to be stuck doing that for a long time. So then I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I went to the worst careers counsellor in the world um, who gave me the advice to be a microbiologist. Mm. Um, but I continued looking through the uni brochure and came across dietetics, which was like helping people and talking about food all day. Sign me up. <laughs> so that was it. I kind of fell into dietetics, but it has absolutely been the career choice for me, the professional choice for me because, um, yeah, I'm so passionate about food. So I came to dietetics through a passion and a love for food and an enjoyment of food and wanting to share that with other humans. And so I came at it possibly from a little bit of a different space than, than other dietitians do, um, potentially who maybe are yeah, working with their own relationship with food and eating or their own experience with a health condition that, that maybe they interacted with the dietitian, um, which is probably the two most common stories that I hear for why people came into profession. So that was me. And I've always really loved being a dietitian. Like I've loved the work or the possibilities of the work. I absolutely never wanted to be, for me personally, uh, an acute clinical dietitian. Um, that wasn't my thing. I really loved interacting with um, humans and um, talking about food, basically. So I loved uh, working and doing that. And so I've always really enjoyed it. And I suppose I've just, um, 
I, I realise now um, a little bit further on in my career and, and my life that I've always just been able to look at the situation, particularly professionally, and and think, okay, well, how can I make this work for me, or how can I create a new you know, a new new path, a new new place or space that actually works for me. So that's just always come naturally. So I'm really quite lucky with that. I know that's not always the case. Um, so it's always allowed me to love what I do because when I haven't, I've just created a new way to love it. I've created my own sort of path or way so that I could maintain that love for dietetics, um, yeah, and doing what I do. That's so interesting because I know that you also had um, some posts about, you know, just staying focused and not quitting and being a dietitian. So I love that you've taken it into your own hands and created those next steps for you. What, you know, when you think about those changes and you think about those times in your life where you needed to create something, what were you doing? Why did you feel the need to change and what did you do? Usually it was, um, it was very rarely the work that I was doing. It was often the environment that I was asked to do the work in. So the systems around me, the humans around me um, who were working from those systems, it wasn't them personally, um, but just that. And I was like, oh, this sort of way of trying to push me as a human down this path or make me treat other humans, the humans that I was working with, make me treat them in this sort of way as a, you know, in, in I've, I've done a lot of work in like government, you know, here in Australia where, um, uh, you know, like local health services, state-based health services. Um, and there's a lot of bureaucracy, you know, when you work in that. And so I've always seen the system as the issue there and so for me it's just creating different ways so sometimes I went um I went a little bit you know a little bit rogue on site so mm. I remember one position where I was working and um this was when I had um really started to integrate I'd always sort of had a little bit of a non-diet um space because of my love of food I've always been like well I'm always going to encourage people to eat food and eat, mm-hmm. eat you know eat what they enjoy so that's always been there and then when I sort of was doing that a little bit more um you know I just went in and and revamped a whole um (laughs) a whole lifestyle modification program to be about behavior change and you know added all that I just changed it so that it worked for me and the way I I worked I mean I I suppose I played the game in such like I wasn't um in meetings saying we need to do this I just started doing it myself (laughs) and hoped no one worried about it too much (laughs) and I you know changed assessment forms and um there were things that I did that I had that were inside my control I suppose I um one of my mentors, um, Shante Cofield, um, the movement maestro, um, she talks about controlling the controllables. Now, overall, I think control is a bit of an illusion that gets us stuck as humans and particularly dietitians who love a bit of control. Hands up all my uh, fellow um, control-loving dietitians mm-hmm. where they're right. Um, but Shante talks about control the controllables and that's probably where I always put my focus rather than, um, you know, sp- absolutely I got frustrated don't get me wrong frustrated the systems and the things but then have always just naturally said what now so what can I do what can I control so that was one example the other one was one time I was in this um, position and this was probably the biggest pivot um, pivotal moment for me when I realized entrepreneurship and business was was the path for me I was at a workplace um, doing some health promotion work for a couple of non-profits and just the 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 people that I was working for, and like I said, I don't think it's a, 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 a human-to-human issue, but more a human operating under a system um, to mm. another human issue. But it just became untenable, and I was like, "Now nah, I'm out. So I'd been in this role for like nine months, and I was just like, see us later. Um, but... <laughs> 
I first say I, I'm not a um, I'm not a like just. I like to have things in place, so I suppose control the controllables again. I like to – I got another job before I ran away, but I got a part-time job, and so it sort of pushed me to think about, oh, well, do some part-time work, which um, I never looked back. I haven't done um, any more than part-time work since – that was like 2007. So I think I did mm. like full-time work for about the first three years of my career, and then I was like, hmm, actually, hey – and then I, <laughs> it was really interesting because then I'd be like to everyone else, hey – do you know you can work part-time? <laughs> like, yeah. You don't have to work full-time. And people would be like, oh, what do you do in your spare time? And at that time, I um, I started building my own private practice because I really loved it, doing that stuff. But there have been times in my career where I've just worked part-time. And again, this is another way I've made it work for me where I've been like, yeah, I'm not going to work full-time. And people would be like, oh, so you've got kids at home. This was pre-kids. I'd be like, no, no. Oh, you, you're working in private practice. No, no. And then the next question would be, oh, what do you do then? And I was like, <laughs> I live my life. <laughs> I was just like, but for me, once I found that, I was just like, I can't believe everyone works full time. And and a lot of privilege in that, like I know that um, that is not always a choice. Um, so mm. I don't um, want to put that across that. Everyone should just work part time because this is just a bit all, you know, all these choices sure. are just so easy to make because they aren't. I live in a, um, I'm in a position where I do have privilege, um, um, so, yeah, I just want to acknowledge that too around that that piece too. But I think it's a good message too that I don't, you know, like you have to make things work for you if that's what your true passion is. Because if you don't, then you're going to end up in a situation where you do just quit and you walk away and you never revisit going back to a profession. Yeah. That's right. And so many, we lose so many amazing dietitians from dietetics. And I was just having a conversation with a dietitian yesterday about this, that, um, and so many dietitians think it's just them, that they get to this point where they realize these systems, they realize that the way we are asked to work sometimes doesn't work for them and then can't see another path, can't find another thing. And my work that I'm doing now is really about opening dietitians up to the possibilities of being a dietitian again, being their kind of dietitian, you know, and I know we've bonded Mm -hmm. over that um, because that is really we can make our profession whatever we want it to be because we are the profession. And if we want to make choices and changes, then it starts with us now do we need system changes? Absolutely, absolutely. But that's going to be slow and that's going to take time. And in the meantime, if you're in a position or you're stuck or you're in that space or place, you know, it's about thinking about what you can do. But I suppose that would be a message I would love all the dietitians out there to know is that if you are in that spot where you think, do I want to be a dietitian anymore? Is there a place or a space for me in dietetics? I would answer, there is one if you want to make it. Um, and there is one if you want to, if you want it, but only you can make that choice. But that also that you're not alone, that so many dietitians go through those those spots. Um, yeah, that would be, be something I would want people to know because, yeah, we just lose so many dietitians to thinking that there's something wrong with them, that they can't make it work um, and, and they leave dietetics and burnt out and, um, you know, and just... Yeah, moving on and moving away from it. Something potentially that, you know, that they have loved in the past, don't think that they're really good at, but that maybe just haven't been able to um, find that space or place for themselves or, um, you know, being restricted by the ability, like not being able to have um, the options or see the options to create their own path and create their own opportunities. And I would agree with that completely. I don't think our profession does a good job of giving us 
the ability to see the possibilities. I think it's very structured and focused and it's hard to see outside of those boundaries. And we need people like you to help kind of help people realize that there are so many other possibilities out there. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think that for a long time, the only option that dietetics pushed was clinical, you know, and particularly mm-hmm. acute clinical. Um, and and you probably, we probably trained, um, you know, along in those same lines where really that was, that was it. And that was, and the other piece is there's often that hierarchy around dietetic position as well, because not only were we encouraged that clinical was, you know, and trained into clinical, but it was put up on this pedestal that really, like, really, like there's no real, mm-hmm. like that's what a real dietitian does. <laughs> um and then, then there was always like, okay, well, then, I mean, private practice was always there. I think being a female-dominated industry, um, women have always tried to make things work for them around, you know, changes. And being a female-dominated industry, a lot of dietitians go off on maternity leave and come back, and those roles aren't even there for them often, and they don't mm-hmm. really work. So, so. And then that's the next thing. Like that seems like the only other option. So you can be a clinical dietitian or you can start your own practice. But even then, like the private practice model that I, um, you know, that, that was in my mind when I first started out as a dietitian or that was modelled or that only existed was the dietitian sitting in the clinic, either in the doctor's surgery or maybe like in their own clinic with some other allied health and just operating in the same way as the outpatient dietitian at the hospital. You know, mm. there wasn't be a private practice dietitian and do your own thing and build your own dream. It was be a private practice dietitian and employ yourself to do the same thing you were doing for somebody else. And so yeah. <laughs> often ended up for a lot of people, I think that feels so much harder because it is. Um, and because for a lot of people, you left that position because it sucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now potentially you're replicating the same thing by no fault of your own, just because it's not necessarily modelled and it's not necessarily encouraged. Um, and I think that's just as dietetics is a bit of a risk-averse profession and traditional and definitely much steeped in the systems around us that, yeah, doing things differently isn't really encouraged. But uh, that's what I'm here to do, <laughs> to encourage yes. dietitians to do things differently or just at least start that conversation, plant a few seeds. So tell me how Dietitian Values was created. Where did you start this and how did you kind of start developing your business to help dietitians? Mm. Well, I've always um, done it very informally. Like, you know, I said, when I first found part-time job, I was running around saying to dietitians, like, do you know you can do this? Do you know you can work part-time? <laughs> like, you know, making these like system disrupting conversations for a long time, encouraging dietitians to do things differently um, in the spaces I've worked. So it's always been there. Um and I was working, doing a lot of um, non-diet, health at every size um, work, which once you're in that for a certain point of time, even if you don't start with with that lens, it becomes looking at the social justice stuff, looking at the systems um, and building such an awareness of that. And um, I went off on maternity leave and, uh, while I was off, you know, lots of things shifted in the world Um of course, we went through a pandemic, which really, I think, heightened mm-hmm. to a lot of people the message that I'd always been, that I'd always had inside myself, which is, you know, yeah, life's too short to be stuck in a sucky job, you know, and there yes. are ways, um, you know, people's <laughs> really opened up to the idea of doing things online. I, I launched my first online um, nutrition coaching group program in 2000 
12. So I've been really like waiting for this moment of dietitians, particularly, <laughs> but of everyone to see the possibility of, of working online and connecting in that way. Um, so there was that shift that happened. And then, of course, there was a real a bit of a bigger picture awareness of, um, you know, racial awareness um, of racism and of, of a lot of the system stuff happening. And when I contemplated coming back to work in the second half of 2020 or start, like, you know, coming back into my business, um, I was thinking now's the time. I've always wanted to work with dietitians. I've always wanted to support dietitians and create some way of working um yeah, to open dietitians up to the possibilities. Sometimes I've thought maybe it's around, you know, opening them up to the possibilities of the non-diet space um, or other ways of clinical, like, you know, our, our actual way of practice. But what I saw was an opportunity for where I could bring in my unique way of looking at creating those possibilities at that profession, you know, at our level of, you know, creating um, opportunities in in that and something I'm very passionate about is yeah create our own space and the easiest way to do that is with our own businesses because as all of the dietitians listening who currently have or have had in the past you know employment positions it's a lot harder it's a lot harder to make change it's a lot harder to um, change the systems um, we still like I said before we still need that work uh, but we can we can we can go for the low-hanging fruit and we can make it easy to start by um, by changing at our like you know in, in ourselves and in the way what we put out in the world doing things differently there so that was it and I was just like yes this is it and this is the time and the other piece is I have always been passionate about values you know bringing our values into our work not just having you know one version of Laura over here that's at home doing these things and then one version of Laura that's at work um, playing this role this version of herself that isn't actually in line with her values because I think that is one of the things that takes dietitians to burnout is that it's it's operating in a system that asks you to be less of yourself and so yeah I would agree with that I never thought of it that way Mm, yeah I mean there's other things like you know our our, our bent on perfectionism absolutely and and that controlling Pete like you know wanting to feel in control but I think it's yeah that that wears you down you know um having to play a version of yourself or having to um, treat other humans in a way that doesn't align with your values, um, your personal values. And I really believe there's no there's no difference between your personal and your professional values. And if you're in a position where you're having to have a difference, where you're having to bring different values to your workplace, I would predict it won't, it won't be sustainable because it's a different who that you have to be. And so values was the kind of, I suppose anchor of, of my work around coaching because there's there's lots of coaches out there and there's lots of coaches doing things their own ways um some mm. aren't my way uh, <laughs> or a way I would encourage um but that's okay they're finding their own path and there's just as much as I said that about there's enough there's many ways to be a dietitian as there are dietitians there's as many ways to support dietitians in business as there are dietitians you know in business and so um I would love to be you know I can't change myself with every single client to be the perfect um, coach for them what I can do though is support them to find themselves in that process and part of that is our values and our why and our passion and our big dream for the world and our big dream for our profession and then my superpower is to open up the possibilities of how dietitians can live into that and work into that and build a business that builds that. I love that because I feel like, do you find with your people that you work with that they really don't know what their core values are? Like they haven't ever done that work. 
Mm, yeah, I think some. I think a lot of dietitians potentially that are attracted to me are people who have thought about values, but absolutely, there's a lot of people who've never really like have thought about their values, but never really spent that time. It's always been one mm-hmm. of those things. It's like, yeah, I really should do my core values, and maybe it's something you did at like you know a workplace thing one time yeah, or a, yeah. a training, you know, and they're in the bottom of the drawer somewhere, um, but they're not something that we consciously live into. And I think living into and building a business that helps supports you to live into your values is a conscious effort and a concerted, you know, it's a conscious choice and a concerted daily effort to do it. Um, and not in a, not to make that feel like a hard way, although it can sometimes feel hard, it can feel uncomfortable. It's more just that it's something that you need to make a choice to do. Um, and so, yeah, some people haven't. And the other piece about values and po- possibly where I'm a little bit different in my values work is I see values as verbs. Values are things we do. And a lot of the times the exercises that when we come up with a value, it's like a noun, like wisdom. Like, mm. but like what, what does that even mean? <laughs> how do you use, how do you live into wisdom? Like, so my work is very much around um, and turning, or, you know, turning values actionable. So, for example, one of my, act, my values is um, like around sustainability. Um, and my value that came out of that when I really thought about it and took the time to turn it just from a nice to have, like, you know, like the old corporate values that sit on a website somewhere to actually something that supports me to live by is my actual um, verb-based, action-based value is to um, is a wise uses of resources, my own, my community and the world around me. And that wraps up my my sustainability of me as a human um, in the different seasons of my life. So a wise use of me as a resource, my time, my energy, um, my passion, all that sort of stuff. But it also brings in my the importance that I have um, around sustainability in the environment um, and also about how I want all humans in the wider world to have that um, opportunity to take care of themselves and to use them, you know, to use their resources wisely and so that comes through you know I I try and have that come through in the work and the information I put out so that's just an an example about how something like the word sustainability which could be a value how you can turn it into something that actually represents who you are and how you want to show up in the world because there's a lot it's a lot easier for me to know how I want to talk how I want to show up when I have a wise you know a wise use of resources, my own, my community and the wider world than just the word sustainability. I love, that's something I'm going to think about values as verbs. Like how Mm. are you going to put it into action? So it's Mm. not just a pretty word on a piece of paper, right? Yes. (laughs) And in that line, values are actions. Absolutely. Yeah. And not just on a piece of paper, but up on, you know, up on your whiteboard in your office, up on your website, up, um, but something you can look at so that you can refer to it. So when you're building a social media post, when you're creating a marketing strategy, when you're launching um, something new that you are running it through the filter of your values. So values are actionable. Mm. Values are also aspirational. I don't want to burst anyone's bubble, but we're never going to get there. We're never going to get to the <laughs> point where we're 100% like, look at me, I'm living by my values every moment. And Oh, yes, everybody follow me. Um, I have days where I I do make choices, um, but this is the piece. It's a choice. So I am making a choice not to go against my value, for example, but I'm making a choice maybe 
usually it's a choice around the use of my resources. So usually it is around my values, but sometimes we won't feel like we're living into our values, um, but they are aspirational. Sometimes they can feel really big. So like one of my values is liberation for all bodies. Um, that's a huge bloody value. I'm probably never going to be the one individual that gets us there as the human race, mm. but I can make sure that that is in the actions that I show up in, um, that the actions I show up in are just maybe like one little seed being planted to build the forest of that body liberation. Um, and, yeah, so often values are aspirational. So there's there's both ends. You know, we can exist with both both those things. They're actionable. We can act into them. We can, we can act them out. But they also can be aspirational, like how we want the world to be. I love that. Gosh, that is like so – so, and I also kind of think when you – put it into these contexts, like this is what's going to sustain, you know, just a likable workplace or a likable job, or you're going to be staying passionate about being in dietetics. If you do this with your values and your aspirations and make those actions happen. Yeah. The only sustainable way for us to be in business, to be in a job, to have our own businesses or however we want to do it is to have it be us is it to be ours and I think the values are a great way into that to to get us to think about well how do we want to work um in a way that yeah sustains how we want to show up um because yeah the only sustainable way to run a business is the way that you want to run it the way that works for you um and that's possible I think that a lot of the time when dietitians are thinking well how could I do this how could I run my own business how could I you know make changes in in my work for the dietitians who aren't necessarily in business um it starts with us and it starts with us getting really clear on ourselves um and I think and questioning because a lot of the time we don't we you know, those dietitians get to that point of like, well, it must be me because this, there's this system and there's this way of doing things that has always been done, what I call, you know, the status quo. And mm. we're definitely not encouraged to question that and we're definitely not encouraged to do things differently than that. But if we run a status quo business, if we stay in a status quo job, we are the ones that suffer because we are the ones being asked to, like I said before, not be ourselves, to be a version of ourselves. And that is just so unsustainable. Um, and so if we can start there and think about it from the point, well, firstly, it's not us, it's not you, um, but also that how can it be more us? How can it be more you? How can you bring more you into your work, even if you are in a, you know, what are the, con you know, control those controllables, like I said, that Shante always mentions. Mm. How can you bring more you into your work? How can you bring more you into your business? And it's kind of throwing away <laughs> the rules a little bit or at least just popping them to the side the same way that a non-diet dietitian might say to a client you know let's just put the weight the idea of weight change to the side and let's just look at what are the possibilities when we do that so let's put the rules to the side let's put this version of what a dietitian should be to the side and if you hear the word should that's a big red flag immediately <laughs> um so you know keep that money in mind you know let's put that to the side and let's just dream into the possibilities what do we want to be? Who do we want to be? What difference do we want to make in the world? What world do we want to build? What opportunities do we want to to see? Like what what do you want to do? And and how can you move towards that? Are we going to go out tomorrow and automatically be in that perfect you know you sustaining space? Probably not. But when we have that big picture, when we have those values, then we can, then when we've done that big zoom out, then we can come back in and we can go, okay, well, what choice can I make in this moment that moves me towards that? We don't have to be 100% all or nothing 
you know, hit it perfect with every single choice. But what moves me towards that? What makes me feel more like myself? What makes, what supports me to live into my values, to take those values-based actions and start there. Start with that in this moment. What's the choice that I can make to move me towards the values-based business, the values-based life that I want to be living? And we have those moments all day, right? We can, even if you don't make a bad, good decision at one moment, you can make a great decision the next moment. Yeah, that's right. And um, yeah, I say that to my kids, you know, there's no, it's, it's, there's no one or two that's not right and bad, right or wrong, good or bad. It's, it's just making the choice that we make and each choice has consequences and not mm-hmm. consequences as far as a negative or consequence of negatives, consequences. Um, James Olivia Hillman, who is um, inquisitive underscore human on Instagram, go follow them. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. They always, they, they planted this idea for me that consequences are, you know, consequences aren't good or bad, but consequences just are the things that happen after our actions. And so, yeah, each action we take has a consequence and I suppose where I come from it now is I want the consequence to be something that moves me or us towards um you know the dream I have of the world the vision I have of the world that we want to be living you know so yeah that's lovely how now how do you do this how do you work with dietitians and what's kind of the way that you like to um you know how do you like to coach like what is your platform or like do you have a, a group session or what is your what is your your way of coaching? So I do it, um, my way of coaching is to find a way that works for the dietitian that I'm working with. Um, So it's very much around um, figuring that out. And so when I'm working with somebody, I tend to work one-on-one at the moment. I do have some plans to do some group stuff because I think we learn a lot in connection and community. I think Mm -hmm. there's a really big benefit from that community aspect. But at the moment, um, I work one-on-one with um, other dietitians and basically we step through that process of starting there, like what's your why, what's your vision for the world? Um, And you don't have to know that to work with me. That's my work. That's that's part of what I do. You can know that. You can know what your vision is and then want support to get there you can start out like just in that stuck space of I don't know if I want to be a dietitian anymore we can start Mm -hmm. there or some dietitians I work with already have a business and they've been running it for a while but they're at that point of really wanting to challenge that status quo and do things differently and so we start there Um, but usually it starts with with values and we don't necessarily get into you know I have had some clients where we've spent three months just really getting their values clear um, and how that comes in and talking about that dream. And, you know, that's where we've gotten to by the end of our work together. They're really clear on their values. They're clear on the dream and the vision they have for the world. And um, they didn't necessarily need strategies for how to get that happening. They could see what they wanted to do. Whereas some dietitians, it's like, well, I got this vision. I got this dream. How do I do that? So, yeah, it's very much meeting dietitians where they're at and creating a space where we can basically build the business and the life that they want to be living or get them on the path to moving towards that. And it's the life they want to be living in this moment because there's always an awareness um, or what I try and infuse through my work is an awareness that things change. We change. We change as humans, our, our outlook changes, and that's okay. And so the tools and the way that I like to work is to create like a foundation or a scaffolding for building the life you want to live, even if that changes as your career changes and as you go. But you can always come back to this way that we work together or the tools that we use to adjust that um, versus, yeah, I don't have a I don't have a set sort of, you know, 
use these five steps and then you will be living the sure. life you want. <laughs> yeah, it's very much meeting dietitians where they're at and um, and putting the support in place. And for anyone who does work from like a non-diet um, kind of, you know, um, bent, I tend to, I, I jokingly call myself like the non-diet dietitian of a business coach because it's really just, <laughs> hey, oh, what's going on? What's important for you? You know, versus I don't have a, I have a set kind of strategy or a one size fits mm-hmm. all it's really about meeting dietitians where they're at and creating a space where they can um question and challenge and hopefully um become the or get on the path to the business and the the life they want to be living and i'm assuming you do you probably see dietitians at all stages in their career so even if they've been working for 20 years or five years or mm-hmm. six months like you kind of run the gamut on all of them yeah, absolutely. The the dietitian I was mentioning, where we where we sort of really looked into that vision, and, and she was pretty good on. She knew what she wanted to do um, as such. So she's a dietitian. She's been working as a dietitian for longer than I have. So she's been working as a dietitian for thirty years. And oh, then gosh. I was just talking to a dietitian yesterday who's been working for three months. So mm-hmm. yeah, and everything mm-hmm. in between. And I've been working as a dietitian for um, like close to 19 years. Um, so I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. Yes, yes. Well, and it's always good to hear that because I always think that a lot of people think, oh, only young dietitians need coaches. And I don't think that's the case. Oh, I think no. there's some of us more seasoned dietitians that get to a place mm. where we are ready to shake things up a little bit. Absolutely. So yeah, this dietitian had been working like in academia or in um, like in that kind of, you know, always had sort of that job space, kind of dipped their toe in private practice space and was mm. like, oh, uh, I'm not even sure if this is. Th-. So we were very much on like, what's the, what are the possibilities and what's the path for them? Um, so yeah. Um, yeah, I think... Oh gosh, I still work. I, I'm a co- and I still work with coaches. I still work with coaches. I have a I have a coach that I work with, a business coach, Shantae I mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. who I really work with them not necessarily even around the business, like how to do the business, but just to be in community with other humans who are doing things that you're doing is the power of that is really um, overlooked I think because we humans thrive in connection and humans thrive in community so even if you're not working with a coach to get like that one-to-one tell me what to do approach but just connecting to other humans that you can be like oh yeah I'm not alone Um, because you know that's one of the things I mentioned you know I've said it a few times is a lot of the dietitians are over in their own space thinking there's something wrong with them thinking it's them but once they start those conversations once you reach out once you're in those spaces you realize it's not you everyone is grappling with these questions and absolutely you are a unique individual and a very precious snowflake Mm. (laughs) and but um we're all we're all going through the same things and if anyone's done any you know, work around the work, the self-compassion um, or around that area for either themselves or for their work, one of the big pieces of that is the common humanity, um, you know, anchoring our, our situation in the human experience. And I think that that has a lot of value around the coaching space. So I have coaches for that. I, I have coaches for, um, you know, for being the human I want to be in the world, for doing that questioning, for, for, for kind of overriding mm-hmm. my good girl programming um, that tells me not to question, not to challenge. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I think at every every part of your journey I mean I just see I see a coach as a space where I'm held um and as a human working with other humans as a human raising other humans I hold a lot 
Um, and so having a coach is a space where I get to be held, where I get to go in and connect with humans who have the same ideas. This, oh, not you know, not they're not the same people, but you know, who who want to see change, who want to see things done differently. And there's yeah, there's a lot of power in that. I think so. Yeah, I think you can. Um, benefit from a coach anyway I mean of course I'm a coach and, and I'm not saying that because I'm a coach and yeah I, oh, sure. I, I live it as well um and yeah I think it's a real um yeah it's an opportunity out there but yes like you said you can you can have a coach wherever you are in your career it's I mean you know the in the back in the day it would have been like you know a professional advisor potentially right. or or right. a friend or a mentor or a pastor or somebody you know it's it's the similar role but for humans who maybe aren't um aren't in those other spaces or humans who want to ask those questions in a different area where maybe a pastor maybe a a mentor, maybe an elder in their community, um, you know, doesn't necessarily have that that lens. Then, then that's what I see a coach as. Well, that's what I see the possibility of a coach can be, mm-hmm. um, be playing that role that we've always had embedded in human communities. You know, elders, mentors, spirit guides for for some types of communities. You know, like um, all different communities have always had people who who create spaces where humans can find guidance and support. Well, and, and like, different names. Right. And I think like, you know, how we said like Instagram connecting with dietitians, I think the whole space of coaching, like being able to access coaching and finding different coaches, like you said, there's tons of different dietitians mm. that are offering coaching, but there's, you know, not the one right way to do it. So you might be a better fit for someone than someone else. And you can find those different opportunities. Absolutely. And just as I hope all dietitians would be encouraging, you know, the humans that reach out to us to find the best fit dietitian for them for this moment, the same thing with coaching, you know, um, it's about finding the person who is, who has what you, what you have. Um, you know, has the support that you need in this moment. And that might change as well, you know. Um, I've worked with different coaches over my career as well that have had different focuses or different things because we change. Um, yes. And that's that's pretty pretty much the human experience. The only constant is change. Exactly, exactly. And so share with me too, how did you get started with your podcast? So you're a fellow podcaster as well. So what, you know, what did you feel the benefit of that was for your business? Well, I all I think sharing ideas and planting seeds is a huge part of 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 this um, because what I'm talking about isn't your typical conversation <laughs> around mm-hmm. dietetics, and it's definitely not your typical conversation in coaching, and it's very far from your typical conversation as how to run a business. And so, I wanted to get these ideas out. So I started with Instagram, but I you know, there's only so much you can tell and there's only so much nuance um, that you can offer. And so for me, I wanted another form um, and I love to write and I love to speak, as you can tell. <laughs> uh, and I think at the moment, podcasts are just easier to consume. I've done blogs in the past, but they do take a lot of time. Um, mm-hmm. I have three small children at home. So finding silence to record a podcast is probably the trickiest part of being a podcast host, which is why I'm doing this interview very early in the morning. At and no 5 a.m. Yeah, no one's awake yet. Um, well, there was, yes, currently no one's awake. You know, there have been times in the parenting journey where 5 a.m. was not early enough, yes. for sure. Um, so, yeah, um, so it's just a great way to get the ideas out there to plant seeds and to create that feeling, what I hope is to create the feeling for dietitians in this space where they may be questioning, where they're in a transition, just to let them know they're not alone, that there is some other dietitians out here, or at least me, um, talking mm-hmm. about this and thinking about these things and that, 
yeah, there's a space. So it's it's to extend the conversation. It's to hopefully create that feeling for dietitians that they're not alone, that there is space for these feelings and conversations. And also um, to to have another way just to connect to people. Um, so, yeah, right. I really like doing it because, um, yeah, I can talk. Well, you're a natural. <laughs> I can talk about these things. <laughs> well, you know, when you're passionate about something, um, and, and you know what, and people might be surprised, but I'm actually introvert. I'm a very, I'm a big introvert. I'm an introvert at home. Body. Um, so podcast is great because I can just talk and talk and talk and nobody, nobody talks <laughs> about it unless I'm doing an interview. Um, but even then it's just one person. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not it's not having to get up on a on a stage or which I don't mind that either when I'm passionate about what I'm sharing. Um, it's not having to do that, but it's just a really nice way to share share my thoughts and share my share the things that have been running around in my little squirrel brain for a long mm-hmm. time, um, and just get them out in the world and see what other humans are thinking about and if other humans are thinking. So yeah, that's the, been the goal of my podcast is just to share my thoughts, plant some seeds, and build some connection, and hopefully let dietitians out there know that yeah, they're not alone. That other humans and other dietitians are thinking these things too and questioning these things too, and there's a space for that. Well, you, I mean, I know that you get me thinking all the time when I look at your posts, when I listen to your podcast, it's just always good to like take my brain off of other things and focus on that dietitian side of myself and also that nurturing side of myself. So I think you do a fantastic job with your podcast and your posts and everything that you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. So future, what does the future look like for you and your business? I know you said you mentioned maybe some group kind of, you know, coaching, but what does it look like for you in the future? Yeah, well, my big picture vision, my dream is to create a create a world where where dietitians can show up as themselves in their full humanity and create spaces where the humans they work with can do the same. Um, and that's my dream. And so what I work into, and that's my aspiration as well. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I, I take actions towards it, but I, I recognize it's aspirational too. So that is my, my the future of my business is to create, is to facilitate that and, and to change to facilitate that if I need to. So currently I'm doing some one-to-one work. What I hope to do next year, um, if, um, if the world, if life, <laughs> if life <laughs> get too lifey um I like to keep this and this is another part of how I work as a business owner is I keep things super flexible so in my head I have an idea of what I want to bring into the world next year um but I'm also very aware that yeah I'm a human anything can change along here. and yeah you know we I've you know talked to anybody at the end of 2019 and I'm sure they had big plans for the world um coming up <laughs> yes. so and even this year, you know, okay, yeah, things are going to go back to, yep, oh, 2021, hello, 2021. So who knows what 2020 will be. I'm actually, it's a big year for me. I'm turning 40 next year, so um, oh. it's a big, big calendar year. So, yeah, but anyway, um, side note, um, but, you know, that's a piece of it, you know. Um, oh, yeah. That's, I that's a little that's... example of I'm a human and I'm a dietitian who's a human. I'm not a dietitian who's a robot or right. who this, this other thing. That's me. So it's a big year for me. I've got that. 10 year wedding anniversary lots of big events oh wow and, um, <laughs> you do yeah so that's some things I'm happening in my world but the main but around the business what I really want to do is create those spaces of community and well the the possibility of community because 
yeah, I think we can't manufacture community. I think community mm-hmm. happens um, by bringing people together and seeing if that works for them. So, but I want to want to um, create some spaces for that. So, what I'm hoping for next year is to to put some things out in the world that does that. So, where there's support um, and interaction from me, absolutely. But just being in community and somebody, um, Angela Me- Morris Media, um, who I Angela Morris, who's on. Um, Instagram, she's a social media person who I know connected through other ways. And something she put up the other day was around spaces of relational inspiration. And it really resonated me because a lot of the times when people put up groups or things, there's this word accountability, mm-hmm. which I don't I don't necessarily, it's not something that I think is for me. And it's not necessarily something that I want to be for another person. I don't want to be their accountability. Um, there are plenty of spaces for people who want that and need that um, to get that. But what I would love is a space of relational inspiration where we show up and we're inspired by what other people are doing. We're inspired by being in relationship and not in, a, oh God, I've got to go do that way too. But, oh wow, you're putting something out in the world and it's hard and you feel uncomfortable. Well, maybe I can do this hard thing too if I want to. So that space where we kind of get inspired by being in connection to other humans, where we kind of, it helps to, it helps with our momentum. It helps to, when we're in those tough points of making choices to move forward or to do things differently, we have those connections where we um, have that. So that's, um, yeah, that's my dream. Um, my, oh, my next kind of steps for my business that what I want to um, bring into the world is a space for that, a space for relational inspiration, a space for connection, a space where we can feel that common humanity and feel um, that, yeah, that, that we're not the only dietitian thinking um, we're, we're a bit different over here in the corner. And, you know, I talked about very early on in my career how I've always done some things differently and I've always felt like a very outlier dietitian, like, yeah, I'm a bit weird in the dietetics <laughs> world because I really, I always have been. But the beauty of social media is I've connected to all of the other slightly strange, you know, <laughs> dietitians who, who aren't, who do things differently, who think yes. about things differently, who maybe feel things. And then also the more I have these conversations, I realise is all those dietitians that maybe I thought were the, you know, quote unquote too good dietitians are just dietitians who were, you know, maybe not being them you know not not feeling like they could bring themselves um Mm -hmm. and so that's yeah that's what I what I hope to create a space where dietitians can bring themselves I love I love that you mentioned too just the other big things personally for you I think that that's like also showing that balance of like big things in your personal life big things in your professional life they all make you who the person that you are Absolutely. I have three small children. I don't hide that fact. In fact, I'm doing a doing a presentation next week in a membership, in a business membership, and they're like, oh, can you do this? I said to my husband, oh, what are you doing at that time? He had something on. I was like, oh, okay. I got back to the person. I said, I absolutely can, but I may have some children left of screen who might need a snack occasionally or might call out. <laughs> like, is that okay? And they're like, yeah, yeah, no, we're happy to keep it real. Um, and, and I've done that with clients, you know. I've been in the situation where I've been like, these are the times I have available and they're like, oh, I can't make that work. And sometimes I've said, well, I could do this time. This is the reality of what will happen at that sure. being there and existing in that time. So I had this one experience and I'll share this. I mean, it's a bit of a tangent, but in the pandemic, I had a six-month-old baby and I was just coming back. So I was still doing some um, non-diet work and I still do a little bit of that. Anyway, and, a, and somebody reached out and I said, yes, absolutely, I'll have my six-month-old with me. Um, she goes, oh, I'll have my six-month-old too. Our babies Aww. met each other on Zoom and my <laughs> baby was the first 
baby that her baby had ever seen. They were in Melbourne in Australia and they had been in lockdown. The only baby that her baby had ever seen was the baby on the side of the nappy box. Um, And so not only is this an opportunity for us to just, you know, make our life work for us, but the connection, I just still think of that. I think the power of that connection that, yeah, that that created that for that mum and that baby that by me being able to show up in my difference and what I had in my full humanity, I'm a mum. I've got a six-month-old mm-hmm. baby. Absolutely, I can support you. I'm also still this role too. Um, yes. Allowed for that. And so, yeah, our babies did that. I had to change a poo explosion. I just turned oh. the – I just turned <laughs> the PO off. Um, but, you know, it was life. It, work. it was real life and it was messy. Yeah. And, yeah, um, I don't. I can't speak to how she perceived it, but for me, it was really like, yeah, we're just humans. We're doing this. We're 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 not different. I'm no different than you, just because I'm a dietitian over here with this little subset of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still a human, doing standard human things, struggling with human things, as are you. And we're in this together. And I hope that this is a space you can be supported. And that's the vibe that I want to have in all my interactions. And part of that means showing up. Now, would I turn up to a professional conference um, with my six month old on my hip on the stage? Probably not, probably much as much for myself <laughs> because <Yes. laughs> I would get too distracted. Yes. But I think there's a place and space where we can allow those lines to blur if it works for us and that is the big key. It works for me because I can sometimes, not always, but sometimes do both. So it works for me. Mm-hmm. If it didn't and there's sometimes where it doesn't, then I don't do that. So it's not that we have to. It's not like I have to tow my kids along to everything and it's not like there's some tool <laughs> or, yeah. um, you know, uh, in this prop. in this game. Like, yes, yeah, a prop, that's the word. Like, yeah, they're not props. <laughs> However, when life gets lifey and when my personal life bleeds into my business, there's there's no different. They don't have different lives. I'm Laura. I'm a human who happens mm-hmm. to be a dietitian and happens to be a mum and happens to be a business owner and happens to be a gardener and a preserver and a cook and a community member and all these things. And that role is I'm the same human when I turn up in all those roles um, and it's not, I, you know, I think currently how we've been asked to work or operate is to turn off all those other bits of ourselves when we're being the dietitian or when we're being the mum or when we're being the this or the that. And the only person that that, um, that, that isn't, I don't think that helps anyone. Not us, right. not the humans that we that we show up for. So, yeah, soapbox. I love that. Yeah, that's what I <laughs> want to create spaces of that and create spaces. Yeah, where we can just be ourselves, where that works for us, and that's the key. Where it works for us. If the idea of yeah, doing a presentation and and depending on your kids, I mean, my at that at some ages, I can just like pop them in the high chair and just throw strawberries and sure. biscuits and crackers at them, you know, and that's <laughs> entertainment. Um, so that works, but it doesn't always, you know, in different temperaments, sure. different people. So I don't want to be like, I definitely don't want that to be like, well, Laura can do it. She can show up and work with children in the background. I can't always. And mm-hmm. it's not possible at different stages. So I don't, yeah, I, I sometimes share my experience or my story, not as a way to be like, well, you, I do it. Yes. Do, but more just like these are some examples of how I bring me as a human into my business and into my work. And I share them so that you can think about are there ways where you are trying not to that it would feel easier to do it? Not where should you do it, where it makes it harder? Absolutely not. But are there spaces where you're making it harder for you, where you are bringing less of yourself, where you are closing off your humanity because of this idea of who you should be or how you should show up professionally? And are there spaces where it would be easier to not do that? And could you move towards that? And that's really all I share my examples for. 
I love that. That's so good. And so, I mean, that, that's the stuff that people need to hear. It's not necessarily like they can, they're not going to fashion their life after you, but it's good to hear like reality stories about your own personal life. No. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I, am, <laughs> I am now, and though I feel an official influencer in, um, in sitting down and having iced coffee every day. So Yes, I love that. that. <laughs> I keep getting people sending me photos of them. Um, and for anyone who, who doesn't follow me on Instagram, which is a whole lot of people because I don't have no big community over there uh, following along, but every day I sit down and I have nice coffee. Um, and part of it's because I enjoy it. It's really mm-hmm. tasty. Um, but also it's part of as some a human raising other humans it's a time it's like my me time and sometimes in my me time I'm telling other people to respect my me time 375 times at the minimum um (laughs) and sometimes I'm not but anyway I I sit down every day for anyone listening and it's just like it's a bit of a non-negotiable and I have my iced coffee and I'm trying to create a space where that's yeah that's you know, model, modeling to the other humans. Plus, it's my time. Yeah, it's that wise use yeah. of resources. It's like a recharge, something I look forward to, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so I posted a photo of me doing that most days, my coffee in the wild or my coffee in the garden or whatever it might be. Anyway, I and love that. Other, other humans have been sending me their photos of them sitting nice. down and having their <laughs> hot coffee or their hot cup of tea or their iced coffee or their mug reader or whatever it might be um, and taking that time and I love it and um, I overheard I've overheard two conversations recently of my daughters I've got two girls um, and one of them was saying to her sister one day um, I'm having my iced coffee time you need to give me some space (laughs) (laughs) and then I my 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 middle my five-year-old yesterday she had a play date um, with a friend and they were playing and it was getting you know a little bit emotional at times as as kids can be mm-hmm. anyway she just said I'm going to go over on the lounge and have my iced coffee time <laughs> <laughs> that is so adorable oh, so it's like, oh okay I mean they're not having coffee anyone for anyone concerned yeah, um, no, it's but not even about the coffee <laughs> it's just, just about what it represents mom. Yeah. yeah but it's just that that what I loved about it was um was that they were just they were taking that time for themselves that they needed from other humans or from whatever that was going on in their world. They were like, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, no, time out. Basically time like, you know, out. a personal time out, but it's around here it's called iced coffee time. So <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, that kind of leads to my kind of my ending questions. As you might know, they always end my podcast with my top five questions. And one of them is what's your favorite beverage? So I think we just answered that is your iced mm-hmm. coffee time. Well, iced coffee in the middle of the day, cup of tea for the start of the day, which is what I'll be doing once we log off. Iced coffee is my me time during the day. Um, But at the end of the day, well, if I'm sitting down with a cheese plate or something delicious, it would definitely be a glass of wine. So I'm very situational. I'm situational. Yeah. (laughs) So um, as far as, so you are, I mean, you're, I feel like you're a chef. You make amazing food. Like I drool over all your food all the time. What is, what are your favorite foods? What kind of foods do you enjoy? Oh, I love most foods. Um, But yeah, I love a good like antipasto or cheese plate. I love little bits. I love where Mm. you have choice um, and possibly that's a theme that comes through in lots of parts of my life, but definitely around food as well. Like I love a degustation menu or a tasting menu or like I love now how places are on the share plate. Well, when we could share, mm. we're probably back off that now. Um, that, and, you know, like um, where you would go out and there would be little bits, you know, where you don't have to just have this one, you know, and you have to be stuck with this one choice. Um, for me, that's how it feels. That's not how it feels for everyone. But anyway, so I love little bits. So an antipasto plate, a degustation, a cheese plate, a grazing platter, bring it on. That's my ideal 
I've seen you do that for your family too. Like I've seen you have those options for your family, which I love. I the kids love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whenever, um, my husband doesn't love the grazing plate thing in his mind. I think it's not, he thinks it's not enough food. I call it a de- deconstructed sandwich. You know, it's basically yeah. the same thing. It's just on a plate. But anyway, so, so whenever true. he's out and about <laughs> for dinner time, the kids, I'm like, do you want to have a cheese plate? I call it a cheese plate to them because their favorite bit's the cheese. It's cheese. But, you know, I put all the things, you know, all the different things on it. And it's such, a, it's one of the best dinners or lunches, you know, that we have. I, I always love it. Yeah. Oh, and gosh. really it's, it's, it's because I like doing that. And it's easier. <laughs> it's easier yeah. to get to ready. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, what kind of scents or smells do you enjoy? Mm, for me, it's, it's outside smells. It's nature. Well, not all outside smells. I mean, you can keep your barnyard characteristics. <laughs> However, I love um, the earthy smell like after rain, like when, when mm. rain hits dry soil. And I've recently found out the word for that. It has a name. And oh, I don't it know does? It. Yeah, it's called petrichor. So it's, this, it's just the smell when rain hits like dry soil. Um, and that's one mm. of my favorite smells. Interesting. I can smell it right now. I know exactly mm, what you're talking that about. Smell. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that and 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 flowers in the garden. Um yes, so like, you know, lilacs and roses and freesias mm. and those beautiful scented things. So they're my favorite smells. It's, it's definitely outside smells. I don't really like synth like synthetic smells. Um they kind of irritate, but yeah. Oh, and freshly ground coffee. That's mm, a good smell too. That's always a good smell. Yes. And you spend a lot of time out gardening. You grow a lot of your own plants and flowers and food and all that type of stuff don't you yeah well we just moved just before Christmas to a new place which we inherited a really lovely foundation of a garden and so I'm slowly um, bringing bits of it back to life um, but also really enjoying (sighs) the discoveries this is our first spring so because it's spring where I am um, I'm not sure when this is coming out but when we're recording it's spring and so we're I'm enjoying all of the flower like you know what is in the spring garden flowering and blooming and yeah I'm building up the veggie patch um so that's busy at the moment being spring getting everything in the ground yeah that's fun good for you I'm so, I've, I'm not a I'm not a gardener but I really appreciate people that do it <laughs> well you know it's funny too Anne because I think I remember my first the first time I ever reached out to you you had the plums the lemon plums and so yes. we inherited our orchard and we have all these different fruit trees and one of them mm. was this plum tree and I've never seen that plum before and I was just like calling it yellow plum because <laughs> I didn't know yes. what it was and then you posted the picture and I was like oh somebody like those. you know and I was just like oh I've got those I've got those in my garden oh thank you so much for telling me what that is um <laughs> and they're yes. super delicious they oh, are really good so good so, yeah. so good the babies, so the babies are on the trees at the moment so oh I bet they'll take oh. several months to ripen but they're there you'll have to send me a picture of those when you have a big basket of them <laughs> I absolutely will. um what is something about you that not a lot of people know well I would say that I'm an introvert although I tell everyone um that but I think it's something not people know and a lot of people wouldn't guess by how I talk and how I interact um mm. yeah but yeah, that kind of surprised me when you said that. I was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I how, I, guess. <laughs> how I differentiate it is how I am comfortable sometimes in settings, generally settings where I'm talking about something that I'm comfortable and passionate about. Um, however, if I'm looking for recharge time, it's always alone time. <laughs> it's me sense. in a book. It's me in my bed. It's me in my iced coffee. It's, it's coffee. me. <laughs> so that is how I differentiate. But I, yeah, so that's probably something. Um, I've never had a pet, oh, except some chickens. I've never ha- had a pet in my life. That's something 
Oh, a lot yeah. of people don't Which know isn't, that. that's not very common either. So that's two things I know about you now. The iced yes. coffee time thing, I think that, that will resonate <laughs> with me now every time I see you posting that. I'll know that you're having your me time and I love that. Yep. It's my me time. Yep. <laughs> what brings you joy in life? <sighs> when I take the time, it's the little things. Um, it's, it's those things like, yeah, sitting down with the iced coffee, uh, you know, climbing into the bed at the end of the day with fresh mm. sheets. It's th- like those things bring me joy. And, um, when I take the time and when I, yeah, to notice they're, they're the things that bring me joy for sure. Oh, I love the, the part that you said about climbing into a bed with fresh sheets, like <laughs> noticing that there is something so lovely oh, about that. Magical. My other favorite one at the moment is like with the sourdough bread, pulling it out and it has this crackle when you first get it out of the pot oh. and the crust kind of crackles and like that's really cool and the smell and it's beautiful. Um, yeah, grow my own food. You know, it's those little things. Um, and like I said, a caveat at that when I take the time to notice because I'm a human right, <laughs> and right. I don't always. So they do bring me joy when I notice them, but I'm not out here, you know, um, skipping through the daisy fields every moment <laughs> of my day. Um, but when I take the time, they're the things to bring me joy. And mm-hmm. the other thing that brings me joy um, is connecting with other humans um, and doing things differently around the world and just connecting. I know we started talking about that, um, you know, the ability to connect to other dietitians all around the world. I love that. And it really does bring me joy to connect to humans and share ideas and, and dream into the possibilities of what our world can be. Mm, That is so lovely. I'm so glad we had this conversation today. I have a whole, it's always fun to meet the person behind the social media. And now I have this whole personal connection now to all the things that you're doing and you're putting out the world. And I love that. Mm, thanks and I really enjoyed this and like I, said, I love that connection and so having these conversations that opportunity for those connections we make on social media to go we don't have to have them for our connections to deepen but it's yeah, it's nice to kind of yeah for it to go further and to be known I think um, to be known and to be seen and heard um, that's I sort of feel that's as humans that's what we're all looking for and the humans that are coming to us for our support as dietitians that's what they're looking for just to be seen and just to be known and just to be heard and witnessed um as the humans that they are and so i think i do love that about a podcast it gets us the opportunity to to do that absolutely well i definitely will share your um you know your contact information in the podcast and the show notes if anyone loves to work with you or just talk with you i think you would be a great person to connect with even it's just a connection so thank you so much for your time today thank you so much for having me and absolutely um reach out connect come witness the iced coffee time or show me (laughs) the photos of yours um yes um i would love to connect with anyone listening along anyone who what i've shared has um maybe resonated or planted a seed do come um and continue the conversation because i love that that piece so yes. thank you so much, and for allowing me to chat to your community um, and, and have this conversation. It's been really, I feel very honored. Thank you. I enjoyed everything about my conversation with Laura Jean. She, if you do not follow her on Instagram, she has such wonderful posts, very thought-provoking, very inspirational. And then some of them, you know, they're just like down to earth and just like, hey, slap you in the face kind of reality. Like she... Besides the one that she talked about, we talked about at the beginning of the podcast, she did put a post, is is it a hell yes or a fuck no? And of course, that just, again, is my love language because I ask that and question that all the time. 
And so I just love her approach to working with dietitians. I think values are so important and I think we kind of forget about those. And so her perspective and her ideas and the way she works with her clients, I think is a very fresh and great approach. And you know, maybe that resonates with you and I would definitely reach out to her. You can find her at dietitianvalues.com and you can follow her on Instagram at dietitianvalues. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day and to start a conversation that truly matters.